Lord this day. I just pray that uh, this help me to get through this without coughing. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that you just, we have our hearts, our ears, our minds are open, Lord, just to have what you, just to hear what you have for us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So today we're going to, we're back to our series of The Greatest, where we're looking at some of the things that Jesus said on, while his time on earth here, some of the things that I, I feel that are some of the greatest things that he said, and things that actually changed the course of history, changed how things were done, so to speak, at those times. First, we looked at the statement of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Then the next week, we looked at Jesus redefining who your neighbor was. Because in that day, that your neighbor was just your fellow Jew, just the person that was like you. And Jesus was saying, no, your neighbor is all of us. And you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. And then the, we also looked at just two simple words that Jesus said of just follow me. And what significance that made of what, how it changes our lives of saying follow me. And then, as I mentioned earlier, when we prayed, COVID got me, so we've had a little break from that. But we're back on track now. And so today we're going to look at, at a passage out of Luke. We're going to look at Luke 5, verses 17 through 26. It's on page 1031 in the Bibles underneath your seat. And if you want to grab those and turn to that, we'll be looking at those in a few moments. But first, I want us to think of something in your life that maybe it has kind of kept you trapped it's kind of kept you stuck. It's it stuck in maybe relationships that you have, maybe in your personal life, in the way you interact with each other, and maybe just even your, your relationship with God. And this thing has to do, it, it's something that maybe you've done to somebody else, or maybe it's something somebody did to you. And whatever this thing is, it's going to center probably around forgiveness. It is going to center around forgiveness. That the person, you need forgiveness from somebody or you need to give forgiveness to somebody. And this thing, like I said, it affects everything in your life. And hopefully you know it, that it affects the things in your life. And you might even think that, I've, well, I've got this thing under control. I got this thing under control. But then there's situations in our life where things happen and we this thing really just rears its ugly head and it takes over in your life. And you find yourself, you know, the, the psychology word is you find yourself triggered. You find yourself triggered and you fall back into that behavior. You fall back into that way of life that you're trying to leave, that you're not, you don't want that to be part of your life. And it, it manifests itself really in a lot of very ways, various ways. For me, in my life, that thing that requires forgiveness on my part for me what I would do is I would isolate myself I would withdraw from everybody I just pretty much just withdraw from life I'd, I would be angry probably at a lot of people I would actually blame other people and at one point in my life how I found to deal with this thing and some a lot of you probably can relate is I would have a bottle of whiskey so I'd grab a bottle of whiskey and I would just drown myself in those it drown my feelings in that bottle until I just didn't feel anything. It was just numb. I didn't feel any emotions. And I'd write people off in my life. And I just wouldn't want anything to do with them. And really what I did is, 
And maybe you would feel this too as you found your, I was kind of paralyzed. I was kind of paralyzed in the situation, paralyzed in where I was at. Couldn't really do anything. Kind of like this man that we're going to read in the story today about this paralyzed man that was brought to see Jesus. So let's look at Luke 5 together. It'll be on your screen. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him in, into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew that they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So those words, you see those today that Jesus said. He says, your sins are forgiven. Now, imagine if you were a Jewish person of the day, and you saw Jesus said those, said those words to them. Think of the reaction these people would have had because that's, that's not how that's done. We, that's not how sins are forgiven. That's not how we do things around here because that's, that's not the, the process of forgiving sins in, in the Jewish culture of that day. And you'd also be thinking to yourselves that this man that was brought to Jesus, this man who was paralyzed, he must be guilty of a lot of sin. And he or his family is guilty of a lot of sin because that's why he's paralyzed, because that's what the thought was of the day. If you have an illness like this, that, that you have a lot of sin that you have because that, that's what the belief was for the day. Now, we're not told when or how this man was paralyzed, but I'm going to assume that, and I think it was some point in his life later, because it was a group of friends that brought him and brought him down and, and tore a hole in the roof and brought him in front of Jesus. And I say that because if you were born paralyzed, I don't know if you would have a group of friends that would be that close to you that would be willing to do that for you. Now, I mentioned, too, that the practice of the day, that wasn't how they did it in those days. Because they did it in those days, you've got to bring an animal sacrifice to the temple and you receive forgiveness for your sins. And this practice of this animal sacrifice was done over and over again. You had to keep doing it in order to get forgiveness of your sins. And I think it was assumed that you were remorseful, that you actually wanted to have forgiveness of those sins. But I'm sure many people just kind of went through that practice because they knew that's what they were going to do. And they weren't really sorry for their actions and maybe not really seeking forgiveness. But I think what this is, that this is an old way. This is an old way to receive forgiveness of your sins. <coughs> that I was required to bring this sacrifice to the altar, to have the priest perform this sacrifice and get that forgiveness of my sins. And as I said, we'd repeat that over and over again. And it just became routine. 
And, and just we would do it just to make sure I was covered, even if I didn't think I, was, I sinned. So as I said, hopefully I'm, we're truly forgiveness, we, or truly remorseful, truly sorry. But I think, or at least if it was me, I would just be going through the motions just to check this box. Just to check this box and say, okay, yep, got that covered. So I'm good. I got forgiveness of my sins. Now, a way to think of this is, uh, this is what I'm told happens in a, with a husband and wife. I, not that I know from experience, but I'm told that when you have an argument or you have a disagreement, that um, there's lots of things that are said. Lots of hurtful things, lots of mean things, lots of things that you probably regret saying, lots of things that you probably need to ask for forgiveness and you should be sorry for. Now, as I'm told these stories, I'm mostly told that the wife is the one that usually says she's sorry, but she says she's sorry by um, her teeth are gritted. She goes, fine, sorry. <laughs> Body language is all stiff. Like, there's nothing about that looks like she's remorseful. Now, again, this is what I'm told. This is what, these are the stories I'm told. There's nothing about her that says, I'm sorry. Like, she's not sorry. She's just checking a box because somebody told her I'm supposed to say I'm sorry, and we can go on and go on with life. Again, not that I know these, that I've had these problems, these disagreements. Okay, you, you, saw, you saw that. That's not true. That, and it's usually me that is the one that's, I'm sorry, and try to go on, but... Now, that's an example to explain that, but this example of, of bringing a sacrifice to receive forgiveness, that's a, that's a forgiveness that I'm seeking for myself to get forgiveness, but what about those that have sinned against me? What about those people? Does this sacrifice really do anything about that? Does that sacrifice really give me forgiveness or give those other people forgiveness? It really doesn't. But I guess if, if, you know, I said love your neighbor as yourself, and if you're loving your neighbor who is my fellow Jew and I'm angry at them and holding unforgiveness, I guess in a way I'm, I'm guilty of sin, so I'm not really loving my neighbor. But we really don't think that way, do we? At least I don't think that way. You know, when someone does something wrong to me, I want to hold on to that. I want to hold on to that bitterness and that rage and not forgive them and I'm not going to give you forgiveness until you come to me and you ask me for forgiveness, until you get on your knees and you beg me to forgive you. I'm going to hold on to that. I'm not going to forgive you. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to until you ask. So when we do that, we become paralyzed, like this paralyzed man, just, I think, trapped, trapped. And there's no way out. And this is why I'm saying this is an old way. It's created forgiveness for us, Forgiveness was found for ourselves, but it really didn't do a lot when I needed to forgive somebody else. When somebody did something to me and they didn't ask for it. Granting forgiveness to them. When someone doesn't even admit that they sinned against me, that they did anything to me. Now, at the beginning, I asked you to think of something like that. I asked you to think of something like that. In your, and maybe it's even in your current life right now. For me... I, I'm going to get a little vulnerable here. Um, this is my relationship with my mom. My mom, um, growing up, I mean, there was things that were said, but my dad was there to kind of balance it out. So you didn't really, I didn't really 
take his heart a root until my dad died. When my dad died, it was 1997, so it's been a while. That unforgiveness just exploded. It really showed itself. And actually, during that time, too, because there wasn't any balance there anymore, my mom said some things to me that were, were very hurtful, were very just, just things that, that, like a child, you should never say things to your child, some of those things. And out of respect, I'm not going to say what those are, but they caused pain, which fed that unforgiveness, just fed it. And she never asked for forgiveness. She's never going to ask for forgiveness. And now I'm not completely innocent in this because I had so much bitterness and rage and unforgiveness that, you know, I didn't really do make any effort to, to do anything either about it because, well, I was holding on to it till she came to me and asked me for forgiveness. So I was stuck. I was just stuck in this unforgiveness and paralyzed. I was just paralyzed in, in my relationships until I decided I needed to do something about that until I did something about that. And I think it was something that Jesus demonstrated to this paralytic, which Jesus shows us, he shows us a new way. Now, when this, these, this man's friends brought him to Jesus, did you notice the first thing that Jesus said to him? He says, friend, your sins are forgiven. He didn't ask the man anything. He didn't ask the man's friends anything. He didn't stop his teaching and try to give some sort of explanation or narrative about what just happened. Because remember, these guys tore a hole in the roof and dropped this man at Jesus' feet. I think that would have been disruptive. Now, the paralyzed man, he didn't ask for forgiveness. There was no indication he even wanted forgiveness. The paralytic man and his friends may have only just wanted this guy to be healed. Because maybe if he was paralyzed later in life, maybe they just wanted to heal him so they can go back to that old way of life that led this man to be paralyzed in the first place. We don't know that answer. But like I said, think of the disturbance this would have caused. Probably, I think that would have interrupted Jesus' teaching. Remember a few weeks ago, there was a lady that came and sat down over here. And for those of you that were here, I was up here, well, teaching, and she was loud. Like, she was disruptive. She, she caused a commotion. I saw it. Everybody's eyes were over here. They weren't listening to me anymore. Kind of like probably dropping a man at Jesus' feet. That's disruptive. And Jesus just calmly said, friend, your sins are forgiven. So maybe that's something for me. That maybe next time that happens, I need to try that. Say, your, friend, your sins are forgiven. I don't know what the results will be, but maybe we'll give it a shot next time. But Now, here's this concept of Jesus forgiving sins. Jesus forgiving his sins. He's not a temple priest. He doesn't have authority to forgive sins. This man didn't bring an animal sacrifice for his sins. So, so what is Jesus doing? How can this be? Well, to the, the good Pharisees, the keepers of the law, the ones that knew everything about everything, they, that's blasphemy. You can't do that. In fact, the words they said says, who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, let's think about this for a little bit. Technically, it was God, right? It was God forgiving sins. But these Pharisees, they didn't understand that. They didn't get that. And then 
there wasn't a sacrifice, but technically there was a sacrifice, right? Because Jesus was that sacrifice. Jesus is the final sacrifice for our sins. Jesus giving us life on the cross and giving us forgiveness for our sins to all of us, even though we don't ask for it. He's given us forgiveness for our sins. So that's the new way of Jesus. Demonstrating forgiveness, it's not dependent on the other person coming to me to forgive them. It's not dependent on them completing some sort of sacrifice, some sort of ritual. And Jesus has already forgiven us, but it's up to us to accept it, us to, us to seek it. Now, the paralytic man, he could accept this forgiveness or he could have just left it. And Jesus accepted forgiveness, like I said, accepted forgiveness to him when he didn't ask, without even asking. So when we sin against somebody, you know, obviously we're sinning against the person, but who ultimately are we sinning against? You know, if you back all that up, yeah, we're, 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 we're sinning against Jesus. We're sinning against God, God who created us, God who knows us by name, who loves us, God who we get to call Father. That's who we're sinning against. But here's Jesus saying, friend, your sins are forgiven. Like I said, Jesus was that final sacrifice. We, don't, we no longer have to have these animal sacrifices. We no longer need to be held in this bondage, held paralyzed by our sin, thinking that, well, what I did, I can never be forgiven for that. It's too much. Because Jesus has already forgiven given us. Now, we have unforgiveness towards others. And even unforgiveness maybe on ourselves, thinking that I'm just unforgivable or that person is unforgivable. And I need to accept forgiveness that's already there and recognize who Jesus is, that Jesus is that final sacrifice for our sin, that he's the son of God and that he has the authority to forgive sins, which, like I mentioned, the Pharisees, they didn't get that. They didn't understand that. Now, I, I know we come to Jesus and we seek forgiveness for our sins. We seek for repentance. That, but the forgiveness is already there. And that's the point I want to make. That Jesus has already forgiven us. We don't need to deprive ourselves of life because I don't think I could ever be forgiven. That I'm just trapped in unforgiveness because whatever someone else did to me, that they can't be forgiven and you can't be forgiven. Because Jesus has forgiven all of us. Now Romans 10, 9, 10 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you were made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you were saved. So yes, Jesus granted us all forgiveness for our sins through his work on the cross. But we still need to believe. We still need to have faith. We still need to declare our faith in that eternal life we receive from Jesus. But the forgiveness is there. It's not something we need to, to do to earn it. It's there. We need to recognize we need this forgiveness and we need to accept it. If we receive this forgiveness and, and we are to believe in Jesus with all our heart, with our faith, we also should not live in the bondage that this unforgiveness, that, that it keeps us in, keeps us trapped, 
Like I was trapped with that unforgiveness towards my mom. And also, just as Jesus extends this forgiveness to us, even though I didn't ask for it, I don't deserve it, Jesus still forgave us. We also should forgive others. We should forgive others that have offended and hurt us, even if they don't ask for it. Because remember, <coughs> this is something that we, we all know, right? We all know the Lord's Prayer. The disciples asked him, Jesus, how should we pray? And we all know this, probably this prayer, but one part of it out of Matthew 6, 12 are these words, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Not forgive those who have sinned against us only when they ask for us. You're to forgive them. The word says take, which take means, implies that that's past tense. Like you've already done it. You've already forgiven them. Now, let's go back to the story of my mom. And I mentioned this briefly, but at this point in her life, she's not mentally capable of ever asking for forgiveness, as I don't feel. She's incapable of probably even knowing that she needs to, even capable of knowing that she did anything wrong. But a while ago, I had to make a choice. I can hold on to that unforgiveness and just not forgive her. Just, and really what it was is that unforgiveness, I couldn't even be around her. I couldn't even be in her presence. I just, was, I just was full of anger and rage and trapped and paralyzed. Unable to escape this pain and this misery and all of this stuff that goes on in my head, that went on in my head, that resulted in this unforgiveness. And as I mentioned, what I did is I isolate and I withdraw. And that's what I did. And then that isolation withdrawal, it began to affect everything in my life. I withdraw from my wife. I withdraw from my family. I withdraw from my employees. I withdraw from my friends. And my wife has told me I wasn't a very fun person to be around during that time. Now, the other option that I had was to forgive her and be released, not be paralyzed anymore, really just to become mentally unparalyzed. Because I'm instructed to forgive others, even if they don't ask for it. So I do my best to do that with her. And the th amazing thing is, is like, I can interact with her now. I can be in the same room with her now. I can have a, it's not a great relation, but I can have at least some sort of relation with her because I gave forgiveness to her, even though she didn't ask for it. Not in bondage anymore, not paralyzed by it anymore. And I would tend to think that all of my relationships with my wife, with my children, with my employees, with my friends, with everybody, it's just improved. And if you remember, I said I, I, I would stop feeling. I, I've started to feel emotions again, emotions I never knew existed. Now, there's something else that Jesus did us with this, this passage is that Jesus gave us an example of something else when he healed this man. I think he, he showed new priorities. Jesus was showing us that this person's spiritual, their eternal state was as or probably more important than, his, than what his physical state was at that moment. If we look at the verses 22 through 25 again, it says, Jesus knew that they were, they were thinking and asked, why are you th thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want <coughs> you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, 
take your mat and go home. Immediately stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. So was Jesus mocking the Pharisees, or was he just simply saying, get your priorities in order? Jesus knew this man's spiritual state wasn't where it needed to be. Wasn't where, and he was concerned about this man's eternity. And Jesus was also revealing to the crowd who he really was, that he was the Son of God, that Jesus really did have authority to forgive sins. And physical healing, I'm not making light of that, that's important, but the spiritual healing, that was, that was a priority. Holding sins against people, not granting them forgiveness, which probably the Pharisees were doing, that Jesus is saying, that's a problem. This man was looked at as a sinner and probably looked at as to live as like, man, you're paralyzed. You're going to live in that forever. You're going to be trapped in that. And Jesus is saying, forgiving people, it's, it's important. Even if they don't ask it, that should be a priority. And physical healing, like I says, that's, that's something that we should pray for and we should expect. And you notice the paralytic man didn't get up when Jesus said, your sin is forgiven. The paralytic man got up when Jesus told him to get up. The spiritual healing, well, Jesus was taken care of first. Forgiveness provided a way for the man to be completely healed spiritually and physically. To only have the feeling, the physical healing, that wasn't enough for Jesus. Jesus wanted the man to receive complete healing, complete healing of his spirit and of his physical needs. So you might ask, why do I consider these words, your sins are forgiven, one of the greatest? I want us to look at Hebrews 10, 1 through 18. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through it fast. It'll be on, your bo- on the board. It says the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But these sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It's impossible. You do it over and over again. It's not going to get you where you need to go. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor, you ple- nor were you pleased with them, though you were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have seen, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once and for all. Jesus is that final sacrifice. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices. It just becomes repetitive, just over and over. I think the heart is out of it which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and they will will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. 
and where these have been forgiven, sacrifice is no longer necessary. Jesus was that final sacrifice. We no longer have to come over and over and over bringing in animal sacrifice to that, that Jesus died on the cross. He took all of our sins and he grants us forgiveness. The forgiveness is there. So we once again can have our relationship with God. That relationship is restored if we recognize our need for it and the forgive, receive that forgiveness and we accept that. And we hear those words of Jesus saying, friend, your sins are forgiven. We no longer let our past we no longer let things in our life just spiritually paralyze us. We, we realize that we're forgiven. It doesn't matter what it is. We can be forgiven. And we don't need to be afraid of Jesus. We don't need to be afraid of God. We can come to him regardless of what our past is because Jesus is saying, friend, your sins are forgiven. We should no longer let this unforgiveness, maybe we carry for ourselves. Maybe this unforgiveness that we have for other people paralyzes us. Because, like I said, we are all forgiven. And we also should forgive others. Like when Jesus told us, those words I mentioned earlier about when he taught us to pray. Seeking forgiveness and forgiving others. There's no conditions, even if they don't ask for it. Now, think of your children. You know, dads, I think, are scary to their kids. And Kim told me that, you know, the children were scared of me. They didn't want to come and ask for forgiveness for me, even if they really didn't do anything. But imagine if in their mind, and this is how we are, can be with Jesus, imagine in their mind if they knew, if I was saying, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven, that I didn't withhold forgiveness for them, that I didn't, I didn't say be angry and anger. I just was there saying, your sins are forgiven. They probably wouldn't be as afraid of me to come tell me. And that I have this stance that Jesus has in regards to our sins, saying, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, like the paralyzed man, we have a choice to accept this forgiveness, to not just lie on our mat and do nothing, which we can do. We can do that. We can accept or we can accept the forgiveness and whatever that is that's holding us we can pick it up and we can get rid of it we can bring it to Jesus and whatever it is that's holding us captive and not let it paralyze us anymore by accepting and receiving this forgiveness whatever it is that keeps us from there we can bring it to Jesus and we can hear those words of Jesus friend your sins are forgiven now there's one last thing that's, that's really subtle in this, is that it said the man went home praising God. Now, I want to believe that this man was received spiritual healing, and we're told he went home, which means he probably went to his physical house, and he lived out the rest of his life because he was healed, and he was spiritually healed. But I also want to believe that at the end when he died, that he went to his spiritual home also. He went to his spiritual home in heaven. And I think that's why these words are so important because that should be a priority to us too. To see people not only physically healed but spiritually healed. Healed so that they go home. Home to Jesus, praising God after hearing those words. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Lord, I thank you that it doesn't matter you don't hold anything against us, Lord. 
that you forgive us, Lord, and that you are there extending those words. Friend, your sins are forgiven. That we can come to you, we can accept that forgiveness, that, that we don't need to be scared of you, we don't need to be afraid, that we can be released from all that unforgiveness, that we can receive forgiveness, that we can receive this forgiveness and that we can, we can profess that you are our Lord and Savior and we can profess with our mouth that, that Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to let this trap me anymore and keep me paralyzed, Lord. So I just pray if there's somebody right now that's been paralyzed, that you feel you think you're paralyzed right now. You've been trapped in this unforgiveness and you want to receive this forgiveness and you hear Jesus saying, friend, your sins are forgiven and you want to believe and you want to enter into this eternal life and you want to go home praising God. That's you. If you want to just look up at me and raise your hand and say, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to receive Jesus. I see you. Lord, just thank you. Lord, thank you. Lord, the angels are singing right now for this soul that is receiving this forgiveness, Lord, that is, that is now part of the family, that is now going to praise your name, that they have that relationship restored to you, Lord, and, and ultimately we'll, we'll, we'll go home. We'll go home to you at the end of their life here and spend eternity in, in your presence. Lord, thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.